you know, I, I never liked the term must win. Oh, this is a this is a must win game. I never liked that term. I never did. That means there must be a must lose game somewhere, right? Well, that being said, this Saturday for Stanford football, it's a must win game. The Cardinal want to achieve any of the things that are still on its plate in a positive way. They got to beat the Cougs, and that's what we're, we're going to talk about for much of this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network. And presented by Bet Online. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Great to have you with us Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022, for this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Hey, that's me. Thanks for being with us here on the show. Nobody covers Stanford Athletics like this show. And don't you forget it. Need proof? All right, cool. Two special guests on this episode of the show. We, of course, will talk Stanford football with Cardinal left tackle, Walter Rouse, the young man from the D.C. area, will go inside the trenches with him, get his thoughts on the Cardinal, the offensive line, just all the turnover that they've had at the tackle position all season long. And, hey, what's at stake for Stanford this week against Washington State? And, oh, by the way, don't look now. It's almost basketball season. Matter of fact, next week it will be basketball season on the farm. Stanford men's hoops with its first game of the season coming up on Monday when Pacific comes to Maples Pavilion. That's an 11 a.m. tip-off, by the way. We will preview the Stanford men's basketball season with assistant coach Jesse Pruitt. Looking forward to bringing him in on the show and getting his thoughts on the season ahead. So Walter Rouse. Jesse Pruitt, and most importantly, you. Thank you for subscribing to the show via your favorite listening app. The TreeCast, of course, is available wherever you get the really good podcasts from, of course. I mean, not just it can't just be on any trifling app. No, just where the good listening apps are. Where you get the good podcasts from is where you find the TreeCast. So thank you so much for subscribing to the show, for rating and reviewing the show, and uh, reacting to the program as well and telling people all about it. I'm Troy Clarity, year number nine of Pac-12 Network play-by-play. This is also my 30th year of following Stanford sports overall and uh, also in the middle of my first season of play-by-play for the Compass Media Network's national radio style on the football side of things. Looking forward to getting back into it next weekend. But this Saturday, I'm going to be at Stanford Stadium for a 12:30 kickoff between the Cardinal and the Washington State Cougars. Cougs and the Card in, in similar situations, it seems right now. As you might remember, the Cougs they got a big win at Wisconsin back in September, but right now that's a distant memory. They've lost three in a row. They were up on Oregon with four minutes to go. Everything was cool, and then everything just went sideways and Wazoo. Hasn't quite recovered from that. Washington State 4-4. Four four. Stanford's loss to UCLA last week drops it to 3-5. Washington State last in the Pac-12 in rushing offense. Stanford is ninth. Washington State 11th in total offense. Stanford is 8th. Washington State averaging 23.6 points per game. That's tied for ninth in the Pac-12. With Stanford, which is also averaging 23.6 points per game. So a lot of similarities between the Cardinal and the Cougs. Uh, We'll dive deeper into that game as the show goes along, beginning with three things that you need to know about Stanford football heading into the Saturday's matchup. But first, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Three things you need to know about Stanford football heading into this Saturday afternoon's contest against the Cougs, beginning with number one. And we start with an update on the running back room, which 
might as well be a be a running back phone booth at this point. Caleb Robinson injured during last week's game at UCLA. He is out this week against Washington State, hopefully back for Utah next week. So that means Stanford has only one running back by trade available on its roster right now. Brendan Barrow, who had 33 yards last week against the Bruins. He has 20 touches this season overall and has actually had some decent plays. Given the lack of quantity in the running back room right now, I asked David Shaw during his weekly press conference back on Tuesday how that changes what the offense is able to do and what it can emphasize from a game plan standpoint. That is a great question, and I'll get back to you at some point in time when I have a great answer. Um, uh, there's going to be a little trial and error this week. Um, you know, typically you lean towards what the offensive line uh, does well. Um, so there's going to be some balance between catering to our big guys and catering to our runners. Um, so there's there's some ability back there. It's just not a lot of experience. So we got to make sure that we are giving our guys the best opportunity to be successful. David Shaw with, I think, a pretty honest response there. And so it seems like the offensive line will kind of get more of the weight when it comes to, you know, considering what this offense can do, especially in the running game, I would imagine. Quarterback Tanner McKee, I'm sure, also has a say in this. Here are his thoughts on that situation. I feel like that puts a little bit more on, on my shoulders, on the receivers, on the O-line. Um, obviously, we have guys out there that um, haven't had maybe as many reps, and so we're just going to have to take on the responsibility, take on the challenge. That's Tanner McKee, and the next man up, by the way, is Mitch Lieber, who is RB2 for this week. He just converted from safety to running back as a short-term solution. Got a little work at the end of the UCLA game, if you stayed up to, to watch the whole thing. How much will we see of Mitch on Saturday? Well, we'll find out. Let's move on to number two. November is here. It's the most important month in the college football calendar. Of course, the CFP rankings were just announced on Tuesday. Unfortunately, Stanford's not going to be a factor in that. But what happens in November usually sets the tone for the offseason and helps set the narrative for the following season. David Shaw's Stanford teams are 26-17 and 17 all-time in November, which is a pretty good record. Now, of course, they went 0-4 in November of 2021, so looking for their first November win since they walked out of Memorial Stadium in Berkeley, Thomas Booker with the big block in the 2020 big game. But 26-17, and 17, pretty good record in November. I asked David Shaw how Stanford has been able to be historically good in November over the last dozen years or so and what needs to happen for it to happen again this month health wise has been a big reason for our success um uh when we don't have the health it's it's it's, it's difficult uh, right now we don't have the health at the running back position um but uh, across the board most in most positions we are healthy um, so being healthy and being trained for this time of year uh, are two vital things and um, that's, that's what's helped us be successful in the past. Yeah, health has been critical, and it's, it hasn't been on Stanford's side over the last few years, 2019-2021 in particular. We'll see how things shake out in 2022. Depending upon which position unit you're talking about, <laughs> so far it's not great. Let's wrap up three things with number three. And look, it's been a tough season for Stanford football. They've hit some bumps in the roads. They've faced some adversity. They've had some shocking, shocking results. And they've had some tough losses along the way. But through it all, this team has, to this point, still found ways to bounce back and keep playing and keep fighting. I asked Patrick Fields, the Stanford grad transfer from the University of Oklahoma, one of Tulsa's finest products. I asked Patrick Fields about the strength of the defense. I just asked him a general question. Hey, what do you think the, the, the strength of the defense has been so far this year? And he actually surprised me with this answer. You know, whatever is thrown at us, even though if the outcome isn't what what we want, you know, guys keep on, you know, fighting. You guys keep on putting the one foot in front of another. You know, injury after injury. Um, so-and-so who may be a leader or a starter, they go down and, and a young guy has to step up. I think the, the, the biggest strength is, you know, just the resiliency that exists. Guys never, you know, look for an excuse. They never look for, you know, somewhere else to blame. You know, you have great leaders like Jonathan McGill. They come in there and say, okay, what can I do better as a leader? 
and I think, you know, it, sometimes, you know, life beats you down longer than it should be. Um, the outcome isn't necessarily what you want, but I think the thing I admire most is, you know, you have guys like John who, who just keep on finding ways to like fight. You know, and I think that's something that, that shouldn't go under-recognized. Patrick Fields with a shout-out to John McGill along the way. And, yeah, resilience has been a big part of the story in Patrick's mind for the Stanford defense. Cardinal will keep fighting, and there's still some things on the table for him this year. They got to beat the Cougs, though. More on that later in the show. Those are three things. We'll get back to football later in the program when we chat with Stanford left tackle Walter Rouse and do a, a do a deeper look into some things to keep in mind for the matchup between the Cardinal and the Cougars. But, hey, don't look now. Stanford men's basketball season begins on Monday. Monday morning, an 11 a.m. tip-off versus Pacific at Maples Pavilion. The Cardinal picked fifth in the Pac-12 preseason poll behind UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, and USC. And hey, Stanford even got a first place vote in this year's Pac-12 preseason poll. So that seems to be pretty cool, but still a lot for the Cardinal to prove overall. And a lot that, that needs to happen in order for Stanford to finally make it into the NCAA tournament, which is where the Cardinal you used to be able to, you know, not even look, half look at your bracket. Oh, we're Stanford. Okay, all right, there they are. All right. <laughs> Would be nice to get Stanford back to that level. And perhaps this year, perhaps this team is the one to put Stanford back on that trajectory. For more on that, we turn to our first special guest of this episode of the show. And on Wednesday afternoon, headed down to the farm, headed into the Ariaga Family Sports Center, headed upstairs over into the Stanford Men's Basketball Office. It was nice to be in that corner of the building. Hadn't been there in a while. And caught up with Stanford assistant coach Jesse Pruitt in his seventh year on the farm, uh, long known as one of the finer head coach, younger, younger coaches um, in college basketball today. And Jesse and Jared Hass, of course, the Cardinal head coach, along with the rest of the, the Cardinal Coaching Brain Trust, uh, they're, they're going to be tasked with getting the Cardinal back into the NCAA tournament. How can that happen? Well, I sat down with Jesse Pruitt. Here is our conversation. Well, Jesse, I, I can't believe it. The season's almost here. Opener is on Monday, bright and early at 11 a.m. against Pacific. We'll get your further thoughts on that here in a second or so. But new season's about to begin. But let's start at the end of last season. How did the, uh, what, 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 were the, what was the mood amongst the coaching staff at the end of last season? And how did that kind of fuel preparations coming into this season? Well, the last week of the regular season, we played at the Arizona schools. We played at Arizona State and at Arizona. And we felt that we played well in those two games. We, we were aggressive defensively, offensively we were clicking, now we lost both games. But because we played well, it gave us confidence going into the conference tournament. Now, we played well, you're down you know, 12 or 13 with three minutes to play versus Arizona State, but there was no quit in our group. And you can see it in their eyes. And you, you know, in, in timeouts, the guys thought they still had a chance. And we, we had a miracle. And uh, James Keefe rolled one in at the buzzer and gave us momentum. And we ended up playing probably our best game of the year, the last game of the season, versus Arizona. And our, and our guys, again, there's no moral victories, but our guys felt really good about how they performed. And the great thing is majority of those guys are coming back, you know, which is, which is huge and gives us a lot of optimism uh, going into this year. Should be a lot of fun to watch those guys grow, but let's first go through how things have gone so far in the practices and the run-up uh, to the season to this point. What have been some of the themes? What have been some of the things that have jumped out at you about the squad as you get ready for the season? Yeah, the great thing is we're, we're older, and, and, and the, the challenge in, in all of college basketball, especially here, is to get old and stay old, and we've been able to do that, you know, partly by Harrison Ingram, decided to come back after a stellar uh, uh, freshman year campaign. We added our first graduate transfer in 108 years of basketball here, here at Stanford, uh, which we're super excited about. And you add a guy like Spencer Jones, who's a who, you know, potential you know, uh, first-team All-Pac-12 player. So you, you feel the experience when you're out there. Um, the, the basketball IQ, the guys who have been there before, you throw in a James Keefe, a Michael O'Connell, guys who have played some big minutes. So you just feel there's a maturity 
about this group um, offensively. Um, we're, we're, we're clicking right now in terms of just the ball movement and guys kind of understand their roles. And you kind of feel that right now at practice. And then defensively, there's a great energy. You know, there's a lot of talk on the floor, a lot of communication. Guys are playing for one another. Guys have each other's back. Um, so you definitely sense that um, out on the practice court. Yeah, defensively is where this program has, has hung its hat on. And I have a feeling I know how you're going to answer this, but I'll ask it anyway. Who, who are some of the defensive leaders on this squad, guys that you're counting on more than the others perhaps to lead the way defensively and, and get it done on that end of the floor? Yeah, the, um, Spencer Jones is probably one of our better perimeter defenders. Um, then you got Adam, uh, Adam Keefe, James Keefe, uh, uh, the offspring of, of the great Adam uh, Keefe um, in, in the middle, uh, who holds it down and brings a physicality uh, to the team that is, that is, is really good. Uh, Issa Silva is another great on-ball defender, a guy that has great length and good instincts. Um, and, you know, then you got Maxime um, and, and Max, both kind of rim protectors, guys who do a great job inside. And Harrison as one area, we've talked to Harrison Ingram a lot, is, is on that defensive end. You know, because he's a great offensive player, but can he affect the game defensively? And he's really taken um, some, 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 some ownership of that part and, and really worked at it this offseason. I'm kind of surprised because my money was, was your answer being everyone. <laughs> Everyone's got to be a defensive leader here. Sure, sure. I mean, that's the key. I mean, we, we don't have one shutdown guy. I mean, it, it is a team defense and we rely on each other and having each other's back. And uh, So, yes, everybody has to play. But uh, <laughs> there are a few individuals, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, who, who play defense with a chip on their shoulder and, and, and it shows up there and hopefully the rest of the guys follow suit. What's fair to expect from Harrison this year? Um, I think you see a guy that wants to win, um, that is, 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 you know, is not worrying about the next level. You know, obviously that's a dream of his and he kind of went through it this offseason, but he's not playing for that. He's playing for the guys in his locker room. So you're going to see him play with a great amount of passion. Um, he's a guy that can play on the ball and off the ball. He is an unbelievable facilitator, so you're going to see him in situations where he may be more of a playmaker this year, where he's looking to get other guys involved because we've added more shooters. When you talk about a Michael Jones, a Ryan Agrawal, still Spencer Jones, so he's got some pieces around him where he doesn't have to be the guy who backs you down and plays out of the mid-post looking to score. He can facilitate more and get other guys involved. You mentioned Michael Jones. You mentioned Agarwal, a freshman. Jones, uh, the grad transfer. What's well, uh, to introduce us to the freshman and to Michael Jones as well? Yeah. So we'll start at the top. So Michael Jones, uh, his nickname is Bones. Um, <laughs> you know, he's six foot five, but has a seven foot wingspan. Uh, great length. Uh, shot over forty five percent from three on the road last year. Um, is getting his master's degree in statistics. I mean, this is a kid who's extremely bright. Um, but that, but that, that. Um, his intelligence carries over to the basketball court. Very, very smart, very cerebral uh, basketball player. Then you got Ryan Agarwal um, out, of, out of Texas. He is a sharp shooter. I mean, he's going to have some big moments, I think, in his career here. Um, and then Jalen Thompson, who's, who's a local kid, uh, played one year of high school ball down in L.A., but, he, but he's from Oakland. Um, so all three of those guys you know, should, should contribute and uh, play a great role and have a, a good career here at Stanford. Who's particularly been a standout so far during, during the practices and the run-up to the season? Yeah, Harrison's, um, you know, lived up to the billing. Okay. Um, the battle between James Keefe and Maxime has been really special. I mean, they're two different type of five men. Uh, but then the, all summer, all fall, those guys have been, been really going at it. And then, again, Michael Jones, just his, his, his ability uh, to, to stretch the defense with, with his outside shooting ability has been a huge bright spot. I won't say that maybe things are back to normal, but maybe things are a bit more familiar than they were, uh, certainly in the, and in the run to the 2021 season and, and maybe even a little bit to last season as well. How has this offseason been different than, than the previous two, given the constraints and everything else that you guys are trying to work with uh, during those respective time periods? Yeah, well, the great thing is, you know, we don't have to wear a mask anymore. We don't have to test every morning, you know, uh, those challenges of, of, of 2020. So it definitely feels like it is back to normal. And um, guys are hanging out in the gym. You know, we went a year and a half where you practice and now guys have to leave the gym. They can't be around, they can't hang around. And now we've got a group of 14 guys that, that live in that gym. And they're there in the mornings. They're there, obviously, stay after practice. They come back in the evening and it's their, it's their sanctuary again. So that, that's been really nice. A couple last things here for you. And uh, I heard someone say during the course of, uh, of last season that, you know, especially the first couple of months, 
you know, in the college basketball season, it can be a real crapshoot. You don't really know what you're going to get. And a lot of that is because of transfer portal. Coaches still trying to figure out their rosters, still trying to figure out their personnel, and that they don't really have a true feel for things, perhaps, until January. I thought that was an interesting uh, observation. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, the nice thing about here is, you know, like I mentioned, we got our first transfer in, 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 in decades, but we know who our team is. We, we can plan. We know who our roster is. We kind of have a good feel of who, who we have. Um, it makes it challenging from our end in terms of preparation in these early games mm -hmm. because you try to base it on tendencies and things teams have done in years past, but you don't fully know because these guys are playing on other teams. The great thing is you have these um, analytic sites like Synergy and what have you, so you can go watch clips and highlights of these guys you know, at their previous schools. But to your point, it is a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, you got to try to prepare as best as you can um, and worry more about yourself and your team and what you want to do schematically, offensively, and defensively, and probably not worry so much about the other teams just because you don't know this early in the year. Any variables that you have to plan for for the opener because it's an 11 a.m. tip-off. How does that tip-off time change uh, things from a preparation standpoint, or does it? Yeah, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think this game does prepare us down the road. Um, we have some games coming up later in the year versus Texas. Mm -hmm. That's an early tip. Uh, we have a game against Ole Miss, uh, you know, Thanksgiving Day, or the day before Thanksgiving. That's an early tip. So I think this will prepare us down the road. Um, you know, we practice early, you know, on the weekends. Um, so I think our guys are used to it. We lift weights in the morning. So I think our guys are used to just the, the, you know, the routine of getting up early, getting their day started, and, and being ready to compete at an early hour of the day. All right, let's wrap it up on this. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the opponents here in the, in the, in the, in the non-conference. You, uh, you head out to Milwaukee to face Wisconsin. That should be a very intriguing game in a lot of different ways as well. When Pac-12 play really begins, I know you've got that one. <laughs> I've got a couple early ones you know, before, uh, before December or so. But when Pac-12 play really gets into the meat of things, where would you ideally like this team to be by that point? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, our team needs to be the chemistry you know, for us is the big thing. And, and, and hopefully offensively and defensively, everybody's on the same page. Um, we've got a great flow offensively. Uh, knock on wood, hopefully everybody's healthy, you know, going into those games. But we should have a, a really good feel, not only internally, but externally of, of, of our fans and everybody knowing who we are at that time. And we've got some competitive, competitive games coming up, starting with Pacific, a very good team in the West Coast Conference. As you mentioned, Wisconsin, we come back home to San Diego State, who's a top 15 team in the country. Um, you know, down in Orlando, you've got Ole Miss waiting for you, Texas, you know, in UCLA and Arizona State early. So, you know, come January 1, we should have a very good feel of who we are as a team and um, both on the offensive and defensive side. Should be fun. Can't wait to see it all unfold. Jesse, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Best of luck. Best of health to you and the squad. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me and go card. Enjoyed meeting and catching up with Jesse Pruitt and uh, picking his brain, getting his thoughts on the season ahead. And, uh, yeah, I really could – I honestly wish I could remember – who came up with that observation during the college basketball season last year that there's there's just so much that that is just so unknown the first couple months of the season now with the transfer portal everyone's trying to figure out who they who they've got Stanford perhaps might be an advantage in that respect in the early portion of the season which might potentially help them especially considering some of the opponents that they have in the uh, non-conference slate uh, between now and January the 1st. So, and I like how Jesse put it. We know who we are. Other teams might not necessarily know who they are. Apparently Pacific is pretty much a brand new team. <laughs> so, I don't know how much game planning they're going to be able to do for the Tigers necessarily. Um, you know, they might have to wait till the first TV timeout and uh, go from there. But uh, I, I, it, it's, it's intriguing how Jesse put that. We know who we are, but other teams might be spending a lot of time trying to figure out whom they are. And Stanford might be able to take advantage of that. And Stanford, it was in intriguing that Jesse also brought up that, that, that he felt that Stanford finished last season with a couple of the best games in the Pac-12 tournament, which is good. And it's great. You always like to you know, be heading into you know, March and tournament time and playing your best ball, but that hasn't been the case for Stanford in the run-up to the Pac-12 tournament. 
in Stanford's last four seasons, you take the last five games of each of those four seasons, Stanford's just 5-15. and 15. That must be better. Stanford must go into, into conference tournament time on a better trajectory than it has. And I really think it's cost Stanford a lot of momentum going into conference championship time. So we'll see how it happens. I mean, look, there is still a lot that can and will happen between now and late February when I, I think is really going to be the the time where the rubber hits the road for, for Stanford men's basketball this year. But season begins on Monday. Hoops time already. How about that? <laughs> wow, that, that happened fast. We'll take it back to Stanford football and talk to Cardinal left tackle Walter Rouse. But first, this. The TreeCast continues, and we spin it back to what we know and do best on the show. Stanford football, 3-5 and five on the year as they begin November with a contest with the Washington State Cougars, who, as we told you earlier in the show, man, they had Oregon right where they wanted them earlier this year, had it all set up. Then the defense got a critical stop. Bo Nix with a big-time touchdown and then a pick six to really seal it. Uh, for the Ducks uh, that day up in Pullman. And the Cougs haven't really recovered from that. They've lost three in a row, and now they come to Stanford Stadium. Cardinal also licking their wounds after that 38-13 loss to uh, UCLA down at the Rose Bowl last week. And that's where we begin our chat with Stanford left tackle Walter Rouse. Shoved into the pool as a freshman, was was starting at left tackle for the Cardinal before he'd even attended his first class. A reminder that Stanford is on the quarter system when classes don't begin until late September. But Walter Rouse, a veteran of the Stanford offensive line, and he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries throughout the course of the season as well. So offensive tackles, it's it's been it's been a revolving door due to injury at that position all year long. We talk about that with Walter. We get his thoughts on the Cougs. But but first, I wanted to know from Walter and wanted to get from him to begin our conversation, his big takeaways from that result down at the Rose Bowl last week. Yeah, obviously it was uh, you know, a disappointing game. Um, you know, uh, definitely wasn't our best game at all. I mean, you know, we are a lot better team than what we put out there. Um, and, you know, each one of us knows that. Um, and while we did some things well, we just we just couldn't put enough together through four quarters um, to even really get something going. Um, and, you know, just, uh, you know, coming off the bus in the locker room, you know, we, we, we looking back, we know what we, what we did wrong and what we need to fix. Um, you know, whether it's pregame, uh, on, the, uh, on the sideline, getting people hyped, and, uh, bringing juice and, um, you know, knowing your blocks and calls. Um, all those things factored into, you know, what happened and the outcome. Um, you know, work, we had a great week of practice week. So, you know, working those things, um, fixing the bugs and getting ready for Saturday. Yeah, overall grand scheme of things is now here we are. It's November, uh, eight games into the season, three wins, five losses. Your overall snapshot of the season to this point, what's gone right? What could be going better for Stanford at this point overall? No, you know, coming in, you know, this is not what we the record we would like to have right now. But you know, we can't change what's happened in the past. And you know, three and five, um, it is what it is. So you know, we're going to go forth with it. You know, coach has been saying we're being a a fourth quarter uh, team um, this season. And you know, I fully believe that going into our last four games of the season, and that starts with, you know, Washington State. Can't really look past that. Um, you know, I think, you know, we've made the three games we've had, and even the couple of ones early on, you know, we've could have, we definitely could have, you know, had a better record. And I think we just need to improve on the things that we've been doing well. And as it's shown, you know, against Notre Dame and um, you know the other two games that we've won, that we have the uh, ability and the capabilities to put, you know, fourth Stanford's best on on the field. And I still think we haven't put our best. Uh, football on, on tapes. Uh, so once we get that going, I think you know it's still gonna be something really special to end the season. A lot of this, a lot of the story, of course, has been the personnel at the offensive tackle position. Six different guys have played tackle uh, so far this season. You've had to miss time. Uh, Miles Hinton's had to miss time. We've gotten the chance to see Jack Lair, uh, Connor Glothman very briefly, and uh, Fisher Anderson as well. Just just take me through the season as it's been. 
from the tackles perspective and how you guys have had to had to deal with the next man up mentality pretty much from day one it seems yeah I mean I think it's been very crazy even from my freshman year you know we've had you know guys going in and out um, and so really with this year uh, I think you know the guys who were coming in with uh, Jack Connor Fisher um, and you know miles coming back I think they've all done a great job. Um, to be prepared to come back and to you know have that next man up mentality because you never know uh, when it, like when your number is going to get called up you know especially you know the freshman I, I remember talking with them you know before the season starts like you know one of you guys all of you guys may get in the game so you know you just always have to be ready and you know you know Fisher gets in the game and you know Fisher he was prepared and you know he continues to get better each day um, and I you know I'm seeing that and that's one of the things that, you know, I'm glad that we have Fisher and he's able to step up for us. Um, but as opposed with the other guys, they're doing the same thing. Um, and they're not, you know, backing down. They're ready for it. If the number's called, then they're ready to take the, the mantle. Yeah, Miles had to switch from the right side to the left side for a game when he was spelling you. When you, when you missed a game, that can't be very easy. What sort of things go into having to switch, you know, because it's a different position, although, you know, all five guys are coordinated as one, yeah. but you know, it's it's still a different position. What sort of things have to go into just merely switching from the right side to the left side or vice versa? I mean, playing, you know, right tackle for two years and then, um, and that's all you've been playing and immediately going to left, even though it's like someone might say it's as simple as just flipping a switch or everything's right, now it's left or, you know, left or right. You know, it's not as simple as that. Um, but, you know, Miles is a great player, great guy, uh, very smart. And, you know, he's he's one of those guys who can just, you know, be able to flip that switch. I and mean, he had a, you know, great week of practice. Um, uh, so, you know, and looking in the game, it wasn't like he was just like a fish out of water. Um, so it, was, it seemed like he was just, you know, just right at home at left tackle. And he did play left tackle in, you know, high school. So it was sort of back to his old roots there. Um, but, you know, you know, Miles is a great player, so he can do – he's able to switch back and forth. The big subplot offensively for Stanford this week, of course, is the running back room. And the fact that it's basically Brendan Barrow show, Mitch Lieber, uh, we'll probably spell him for a little bit or so. How does the running back situation affect the offensive line? Well, you know, like you said before, with the next man up mentality, you know, we're, we're behind our guys 100%, whether, you know, it was EJ, then it was Casey, then it was Caleb, and now it's uh, Brendan Barrow. Uh, you know, we're behind our guys 100%, and we have full confidence, and we see that they're putting in the work, you know, in the film room, on the field, that they can go out and perform with the highest um, ability possible. Uh, so, you know, we have complete confidence, and if we, if we, if we can't even have confidence, then we're not going to be able to get anything going. If we don't have confidence that our, our running back's going to be able to do their job, or even miss coming from the defense that he's going to be able to do their job, then if we don't have confidence, then, you know, we might not be able to give the quarterback confidence, and the running backs won't have confidence, so we just, we can't afford to have that. So, um, I know I do, and I know uh, my teammates in the O-line, you know, have complete confidence that, you know, Mitch Lieber, Brandon Barrow, anyone else coming in the game at running back will be able to do their job, um, you know, and play to the Stanford standard. I'm, I noticed that the Branson Bragg has still been around the program, around practices and things like that. How, how has that been? How invaluable has that been? I mean, you know, when, you know, when we first heard about, you know, Branson, you know, leaving football, you know, it's really you know, what was, you know, doing it, what's best for him. And, you know, you can't argue with that at all. But, you know, being able to still have him around, it's just, it's been a great. He's like the sixth man on the O-line. You know, he's still giving it 100%, whether, even though he can't play with us on the field, he's still at practices, um, the games he can, he can come to. He's still on the sideline yelling and screaming, you know, like an extra, a third coach with along with Coach Keller and Coach Heff. Um, so it's great, you know, to still have my brother out there, um, you know, side by side, even though we can't play with him um, alongside him it's still great to have Branson out there um, you know it just it wouldn't be right if he even if he wasn't there you're a pretty gregarious guy it seems you know when the kids you know come out the coaches kids come out to the practice field afterwards you're always playing with them and having fun and all those sorts of things yes, what is Walter Rouse like off the field uh, you know I think he's a uh, you know, one of the things that probably will describe me is, you know, one of my family members, you know, told me at a young age that, you know, it's just, you know, should always just smile, you know, no matter what, just have, just have a smile on your face, you know, because it's, no matter how hard it can be, you know, someone else is, you know, you know probably they've had it worse or, you know, is, it has a harder time. So, you know, always have, you always try to have a good outlook on life. And, you know, I try to do that in day in, day out, um, you know, just have a, you know, smile on my face and just, you know, and honestly, you know, just you know, be happy and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm very uh, laid, laid back. You know, just you know, when it comes to some of my classes, you know, I'm just I fall in love with them. Especially some of my engineering classes. It's just something that I can go there and chill. And um, you know, and whether 
you know, I'm, you know, school can be hard, but you know, when I get in the zone, you know, it's fun. Some, sometimes doing calculations, you know, like you know, when you once you really like have a handle on it, you're like, man, this is really cool. Like, wow, you know, I love this, and um, it really it's just awesome. And you know, just with the coaches and the kids, it's just you know, I, especially with um, coach uh, coach Pritchard's children, whatnot. You know, being you know. You know, meeting them first. You know, when you know I was a freshman and seeing them grow up, and you know, they're just—it's just—they're just great to be around. You know, it's just—we're just a whole family. You know, that's something that Coach Shaw preaches, and um, you know, that we've, you know, practicing with preach really. You know, we really are a family, and you know, um, it really—it's just—it's just something special. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. You were part of the Stanford Football Women's Clinic back in June. My wife actually went to that. And when she told me about it, when she got home, A, she said it was one of the coolest things she'd ever done. And B, she was like, who, who was that Walter? Who was number 75? He was a really, really cool guy. You took her to drills and all this other stuff. She had a great time. It seemed like you had a great time that day, too. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when I heard about it and, you know, when they asked me, you know, would you want to come participate? I was absolutely. You know, I always, you know. Um, you know, coaching on any level with, you know, kids or, you know, other, uh, you know, students um, and even with the women's clinic, I just, I just had a, a blast, you know, teaching them the, 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 the tricks of the trade of being an old lineman and whatnot, taking through uh, the moms and um, uh, the, rest the, the wives through the drills. It was really just awesome. And I just, I had a complete blast and, you know, I think it was, you know, one of the uh, more fun days of, of the year, really. Well, let's talk about the Cougs. They seem to have a fast and active defense. That's been their hallmark for years. That doesn't appear to have changed this time around. They're looking for a win. They're also looking for points. Stanford looking for a win. They're also looking for points as well. Your thoughts on the Washington State defense and how Stanford can, can achieve some of its objectives this upcoming Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, uh, Washington State has a, you know, they have a really good defense, and especially from last year, they you know they beefed up some of their inside uh, inside guys, and because um, last year they used to be smaller, but you know this year they beefed them up, and you know but they didn't lose any speed. Uh, so seeing that on tape, really like a penetrating front, um, but you know it's nothing that you know it will be a challenge. I'm not going to lie, but it's nothing that if we stick to our rules um, and what the coaches have put in for us that we can't overcome and we can't uh, defeat. Um, but you know I'm definitely looking forward to the game. Um, you know, with their rushers, you know, especially the, the two guys that they have um, on either side, you know, with being, you know, real fast, up and under guys, you know, we just have to stay disciplined, you know. We got to do things that we didn't do in the UCLA game, and we got to be able to see that and then do them for, during, for Washington State, you know, be disciplined, stay inside out, you know, push them off around the edge. Um, so I think if we can do those things um, and we stick to the game plan, trust our scheme, trust each other, um, then we can come out with a win. As we wrap this up, simple question. What's at stake for Stanford this Saturday? You know, with this uh, four-game stress that we have left and be, with the record that we have three and five, you know, we, we don't want to leave anything out the chance. Um, so, you know, we want to we want to get to the postseason. That's that's our goal, um, you know, with the rest of these four games. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot at stake, but, you know, you can't really focus on, like, okay, we, I got to do this, got to do this, just so we can do that. We got to focus on the game and just take it play by play. If, you know, a, a bad play happens, it happens. Move on to the next. And if we take it play by play, trust ourselves and give it all each play, then we'll come out with a win. Looking forward to it. Saturday afternoon, Washington State coming to town. Cardinal and the Cougs. Walter Ellis helping to lead the charge up front for Stanford. Walter, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the chat. Looking forward to seeing you guys uh, work on Saturday. Thanks a bunch. We'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's Walter Rouse. That is a, that's a good young man. I always enjoy catching up with him, making a point to uh, to hang out with him uh, at least once a year um, on the show. And look, there's still a lot on the table for this for this Stanford squad. The path to six and six and a thirteenth game is still there for Stanford right now. But they got to beat Washington State. They got to beat the Cougars this week gets pretty tough the week after that going to Utah and I already took a took a quick look at the at the forecast for for next Saturday in Salt Lake November the 12th uh, 40 degrees for a high and rain now obviously that could change but that's obviously not ideal and oh by the way Utah's arguably the toughest place to play as a road team in the Pac-12 only got a pretty good ball club too they were pretty depleted last week against Washington State, still found a way to win, but they didn't have a lot of their best players uh, against the Cougars uh, last week. Not sure how 
back to full strength. They're going to be next week. We'll worry about that then. But either way you slice it, that's going to be a tough ask for Stanford at Utah next week. Cal, BYU, we'll see. We'll see. Neither of those teams are, are really shocking the world right now. But in order for Stanford to even think about the possibilities of playing a 13th ball, then they, they, they got to win this week. They have to. They have to. A lot on the plate for Stanford this week against the Cougs. And a lot on the plate and a lot at stake for Tanner McKee, I think, as well. And I think it's, you know, we're, we're eight games into the season. I think it's it's an intriguing time to kind of take stock and and kind of, you know, see what kind of season that, that he has had. A lot of attention given to McKee heading into the year, and rightfully so, as one of the few returning starting quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year, the other one being Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and just about everybody else was bringing in new guys to start under center for him. And Cameron Rising at Utah uh, as well, obviously, but that's pretty much it. But McKee with the arm talent, McKee with, McKee with the skills, and McKee with some wow throws this year. That, that touchdown to Elijah Higgins against Oregon in particular, the 28-yarder, just an absolute laser, just shoom on a rope. I'm pretty sure that McKee released it at about eye level, and I'm not sure that the ball really ever got above eye level. It was just on a straight line with high velocity to Elijah Higgins. An ooh throw from Tanner McKee. Terrific leadership. Some mistakes along the way. That first pick against UCLA. Ugh. Oof. McKee this year completing 61% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 10th in the Pac-12 in pass efficiency. So certainly the numbers in all likelihood below the line of where most folks would have expected McKee to be eight games in. I asked David Shaw for his assessment of Tanner McKee's season to this point. A lot of mitigating factors. Um, he played a month without a starting offensive line intact. Um, I think, as we've talked about earlier, um, when he's been clean, I mean, he's as good as any, he's as good as the best guys in college football. Um, you know, when we're not able to protect him, um, when we're not able to offset things with the running game, you know, it becomes difficult. And uh, uh, he's not the scrambler uh, that DTR is. Uh, but he's been able to get some positive yards with his legs. And uh, that's one of the things that kind of gets overshadowed in a game like this. Um, he avoided three sacks, um, got out of trouble, got positive yards, got back to line scrimmage. A couple of them, he got uh, more than four yards. So, um, you know, I think the, the season's been uneven, um, not necessarily because of his play. Um, but at the same time, um, I think there's probably – you know, in the games we've played, I don't know, a handful of plays that he'd love to have back. Um, missed opportunities, as we talked earlier about, you know, connecting with the guys, whether the ball's thrown a little bit too far, a little bit too outside. Receiver maybe not getting the right uh, right position against the DB. Um, so those those are the things I know that he would love to have back, we'd love to have back. But all in all, um, I think it's been good. It has not been – we have not seen the best uh, of Tanner McKee um, much like I would say you have not seen the best uh, of our offense. And losing your top two running backs, I think, also truly affects uh, the quarterback position as well. Yeah, I, th I think that's a fair look at things overall. It is kind of tough to tell in some respect because uh, McKee hasn't had a lot of help at times from his wide receivers who have failed to win battles more consistently outside of Michael Wilson. And, and even he had some struggles uh, at, at points early in the season when he was playing. But but wide receivers haven't done a good enough job of consistently winning their one-on-one -on -one battles for contested passes. Uh, McKee's made some mistakes himself. The offensive line has, has struggled at times. And quite honestly, I think the scheme uh, forces McKee to make a lot of contested throws, it seems. It, it's, it seems somewhat rare at times when Stanford is, when McKee is throwing to a guy who's wide open. Don't really see it that often, it seems. And wide receivers aren't really breaking tackles either. 
But there's also a school of thought that says that the quarterback, if they want to be a truly upper echelon quarterback, should be able to overcome those things. I get that. I certainly get that too. So uneven, I think, is is fair when it comes to assessing Tanner McKee's season. Mitigating factors, I think, are also fair to consider too. But I do know this. McKee must play well on Saturday and going forward. Especially with the running back room looking like it is right now because (laughs) the passing game is all Stanford's got at this point. As we turn a little bit more towards this game against Saturday, against the Cougs on Saturday, uh, Stanford's got to do well in the passing game. They must score in the passing game, perhaps most importantly, and they must build a lead with its passing game. I think it's imperative that Stanford get out early and put points on the scoreboard and, working in concert with the defense, get an early big lead. Tanner McKee can't keep taking beatings like he did against UCLA. The running game will help. Having a running game will help, especially once David Shaw decides to turn to his running game to to try to muscle down the clock somehow. But the scoreboard has a lot to do with that too, right? In order to keep McKee clean, in order to have an effective running game, it also also helps to have have a lead and to not have your play calling predetermined by the scoreboard, which is where Ashton Daniels might come in. I don't know. So how can McKee in the passing game solve the Washington State defense, which is quick, which is active? They've got some pretty good players, too, and I like how Walter Rouse put it. <laughs> you know, They've always been speedy, but now they're big and speedy. So the passing game, which was near non-existent against UCLA, how can they revive itself against the Washington State Cougars this week. Tanner McKee with some theories. They definitely run a lot of interesting, weird coverages, um, just like showing a lot of guys up. Sometimes they'll blitz them all. Sometimes they'll only bring three and then drop everybody back out. Um, So big thing for us as an offensive uh, or just as an offense is being able to recognize who's who, diagnose what's going to come. Um, and then have answers when they do run cover zero or they bring um, a ton of pressure that we're not going to be able to hold up for a long time. So just having our guys strain and then making them making them pay for being super aggressive and maybe overextending themselves a little bit. We're going to have to make those big plays, going to have to make them pay for being too aggressive and not having safety help over the top or things like that. One one missed tackle could mean a really big play and a touchdown. So we're just going to have to make those plays this week. Tanner McKee, they'll throw some funky stuff at you, those Cougs. And they'll be aggressive. Can Stanford turn Washington State's aggressiveness against it? Same can be said for for the Cougs' offense, too, where they're also dangerous on that side of the ball. And you literally have to defend every blade of grass against the Washington State offense. They will almost literally line up sideline to sideline, right? They'll, They'll split those receivers as wide and as far out as they possibly can. Kind of interesting to watch. And and Cam Ward, Washington State's quarterback, is a guy who can extend the play, extend the play, extend the play, and then all of a sudden, just, just with some funky release, find a receiver, and the next thing you know, the chains are moved and your defense is still staying on the field. Stanford cornerback slash nickelback slash safety Patrick Fields on how to defend Washington State's quarterback. The, the first part is getting him off of his first read, which is, you know, a, a big part of uh, on the back end, what we have to do uh, as set guys in the secondary, you know, locking down the receivers, getting him off his first read, you know, making making him panic and, and then try to find the next look. And then from there, it's just, you know, making sure we have integrity with our rush lanes, keeping the pocket uh, closed and compact. And then, you know, not to get too much into into game plan, but, you know, we, we have some some things schemed up. Um, to, to stop, to, to help uh, w- with his legs. So I think we have a good plan going into the week. Yeah, so Fields says they've got a plan. They've got a plan. We'll see what that plan is on Saturday as they try to figure out how to defend a slippery quarterback in Cam Ward. Slippery. Hmm. David Shaw actually has another adjective to describe Cam Ward. 
streak. We're going to have to really manage the quarterback and the receivers and, and play in this game in space with these guys. And the quarterback gets really, really streaky. Um, he can make every throw in the book. Um, he can make some tough ones and, uh, and you got to put him in difficult positions. So um, for us, we got to be efficient. You know, we, like I said, last week, we can't just be a drop back operation. We have to be able to run the ball, have to be able to be balanced um, at the same time, utilizing um, one of our strengths, which is our, our passing game and our quarterback, our receivers and tight ends. So, um, you know, that'll help us keep their offense off the field. And when their offense is on the field, um, we gotta, we gotta handle the quarterback. Um, like I said, he can get really streaky. He can get hot on you. Um, you have to be able to be in his face. You gotta make him move. And, um, you know, hopefully secondary wise, we can match up and, and stay with their receivers. That's David Shaw, who says that Cam Ward can get pretty streaky. So, yeah, he can get hot. But that streaky also means to me that he can get pretty cold, too. How can Stanford force those cold spells and cold snaps from Cam Ward? Well, according to Patrick Fields, getting him off that first read and forcing him to, to go through a progression. So it's going to be... An intriguing chess match between Stanford and Washington State. By the way, a little tidbit for you, one that I did not realize. The Stanford offense has not scored on the first drive of the second half this year so far. No points. No points coming out of the break at the locker room for the Stanford offense. And I've always said that the most important drives of games – are the first series on offense, first series on defense in the second half. If you can set the tone there, that'll set the tone for the rest of the way. Stanford has not done that. Can the Cardinal turn that trend around this Saturday? I'll be keeping an eye on that as that game goes along. You can let me know what you're keeping an eye on. You want to respond to anything that we have covered on this show. Hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go there on Twitter. Give me a follow, too, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. You can do that for free on Twitter now, I, I understand. And we'll talk to you on Sunday. Sunday afternoon, I'll be at uh, Stanford Volleyball calling that for Pac-12 Network as the Cardinal host the Colorado Buffaloes. And then after that, I'll rush home and try to put together a pod and hopefully it's another victory edition of the TreeCast. That would be nice to bring Stanford up to four and five and, and getting closer to uh, being eligible for that 13th game. So we'll talk to you uh, late on Sunday for the next edition of the TreeCast. Looking forward to that. Special thanks to our guests on this week's show. Cardinal left tackle Walter Rouse and Stanford men's basketball assistant coach Jesse Pruitt. Really enjoyed that chat. Good to, good to catch up with Jesse. Hadn't, uh, hadn't met, with, met, met with him before. Good guy. Enjoyed catching up with him. Enjoyed having you along for the ride on this program, too. Thanks a bunch. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay sane. Talk to you next week on the TreeCast with Troy Clary on the Believe Network. And presented by Fed Online.